Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message. Amen. Now, even as the baskets are working their way around here, we've got a good friend from the Evanston Vineyard in Illinois that has our uh, passage for today. Well, good day, Vineyard Campbellsville. My name is Jess, and I'm one of the pastors here at the Evanston Vineyard. It's been a true delight to journey with you all through this season of Advent. This morning, I am going to read from Isaiah 35. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands and steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and siring will flee. Well, amen. It's uh, Advent from down under. I'd, I'd like that lady to just keep reading, wouldn't you? Good day. Good day. Yeah. Uh, hey, good morning. My name is Ray. I go to church here. And uh, I have drawn the wonderful assignment of sharing with you the third week of Advent. Uh, the third week of Advent. Now, um, if you haven't heard the first two weeks, um, you may not know that Adam opened up uh, with not one, but two personal stories about being on mountains, both in, um, uh, in North Carolina, but then also somewhere up in like Montana or Canada or wherever it was that he was. It was a very exciting story. And then uh, Emily, Emily Snyder uh, shared a story about being in the wilds of Alaska with old technology among ferocious beasts. 
and I was on the edge of my seat. So I guess, you know, my job is to share a really scintillating and, you know, exciting story with you about my life. So, I'm, so I'd like to do that if that's okay right now. Uh, I, when I was much younger, I came from a very cold, uh, cold place that was ruled by a very corrupt leader who had decreed that it would always be winter, but never Christmas. No, wait, that's not me. That's somebody else. In fact, I don't have a story about me. Or maybe I do, but I'm going to share uh, the story later on, okay? Because I can't hope to compare uh, with those other stories. If you haven't heard those, uh, I recommend either the website, the audio archive, uh, or wherever you get your podcasts, you can catch up on those. Uh, but um, when Adam did start our series on Advent, um, his introductory note uh, really, really caught my attention because he said that Advent is about darkness. Advent is about darkness both then and now. And, uh, and he said, you know, you, know, you know, everything doesn't have to be as REM said, shiny, happy people. Although we like the tinsel. I even like the, the handwriting on the Merry Christmas thing. It's okay to have tinsel and cool handwriting and neon and, you know, bright lights and all of that. But Adam reminded us that Adam, in, engaging in Advent begins really with a serious inventory of the darkness that is uh, around us uh, globally and in our own neighborhoods and even in our own lives. Um, and then, curiously, rather than determining to take action, to overcome the darkness, we do something really radical as followers of Jesus. We wait. We wait with longing and expectation. Advent teaches us that waiting doesn't have to be passive. We can wait in hope. We can wait in peace, with joy, and in love. So um, uh, we will get to our passage, Isaiah 35. Uh, but before, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about this taking inventory of the darkness. Believe me, it'll be the feel-good message of the year. You'll be depressed and you'll want to go home before we ever get to the good news. But I promise you, we'll get to the good news as well. The darkness. In Isaiah's day, which was uh, six or seven centuries before the time of Jesus, there was darkness all around. Uh, the, um, the, the promise that had been Israel, this shining city set on a hill uh, to which the nations were supposed to flow to learn of the ways of God, the promise had been broken. And it literally had been broken into two kingdoms. Israel became the northern kingdom, Judah became the southern kingdom, and Isaiah was living in Judah at the time. Uh, and the people in Judah, uh, they saw a constant threat from the north in the Assyrian Empire, the Assyrian Empire, a ruthless and bloodthirsty people who killed first and asked questions uh, later. And then they also had a neighbor to one side called Edom, which was like, where do we buy the popcorn so we can watch as the Assyrians gobble up Judah and Jerusalem? And what made it even worse was that the people of Edom were actually ancient ancestors uh, of the people of uh, Israel. It goes back to Jacob and to Esau. So it was a dark time then. Uh, that, that was Isaiah's time. And then in the time of Jesus, because did you know Advent also has something to do with Jesus? In the time of Jesus, there was great darkness. The Roman Empire, who actually 
perfected bloodthirstiness beyond what the Assyrians had done, uh, had uh, ruled uh, in Israel uh, for nearly a, a century. Israel, uh, Ju Judah, Jerusalem were, uh, were an occupied people under the ruthless rule of Rome who had perfected things like, well, crucifixion. Um, and the darkness continues. I mean, you, you only have to look just across the globe right now to, um, uh, to Ukraine and Russia to see that there are people this Christmas season uh, without power, without light, uh, facing the possibility of being without food, uh, or even young Russian soldiers uh, going down thinking that they're going to fight for one purpose, only to find out uh, that they too have been uh, misled. Uh, so like I said, you feeling good yet? Uh, because the darkness is not just global, but the darkness can be local. The darkness can be personal as well. Uh, the darkness can be personal. Um, there are people who live right now in darkness because of the loss of loved ones. And Christmas time only makes that loss more acute. Um, there are people right now who live um, with the memory of infants that were miscarried. People that are struggling with the bad news of a diagnosis that they never in their life expected uh, would have their name attached to it. Uh, there are people who are facing the fracturing of families. Um, the, still others struggle financially at a time when it's supposed to be all about spending and getting and maybe a little bit of giving uh, as well. Um, and then there are others who face the reality of growing older. And as I said to one person before, before this service started, if I had known I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. But here, here I am, such as it is. So as I said, are you depressed yet? Uh, but the, the truth of Advent starts with the darkness because darkness is the human condition. Societally, in our neighborhoods, and even the lives in which we live. And things like we've lit the candles for, hope and peace and joy, they're not merely nice ornaments that you get out of the attic and set up once a year. There's something actually much more real than whatever it is, the darkness that we face. Uh, peace and hope and joy uh, are what the Holy Spirit has to say to us at all times. The Spirit of God was speaking peace and hope and joy to the people in Isaiah's time, in the Lord Jesus' time, and the Holy Spirit is still speaking those messages uh, to us today. Um, people facing the darkness of life need not just the happy, clappy tinsel of Christmas, we need the reality of a long season, long, not four weeks, it's a season of Advent, of waiting and expectation in the midst of the darkness that surrounds us. Uh, Advent, curiously, is about waiting, anticipation, and most importantly, how to wait well. How do we wait well? And faithfully. Well, Advent is an encouragement. It's also an instruction about how to face the difficulties of life. Who knew 
But all of these Christmas scriptures from, you know, Luke's gospel story to Mary, the virgin conceiving and giving birth to the baby Jesus, to the, to the words of Isaiah, all of these things are actually instructions for people who want to follow Jesus. It's not just bright sentiments, uh, hope and peace and joy and next week love are actually the equipping that God gives us to live uh, in a dark world. Advent points us towards permanent things, the stuff of the kingdom of God. And the spirit of God boldly points us towards a hope that does not disappoint, towards a peace that passes understanding. And today, a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. Hope is not plan Z. Peace is not a pipe dream. Joy is not just a mere emotion. Um, These things, hope and peace and joy, are the marks of God's kingdom among us today. You want evidence of God's kingdom among us today. Look at what God is giving to his people. Grown-ups in God's kingdom have trained themselves to lay hold of these life-giving realities so that they can navigate the here and the now, even as we wait for the second coming of the King of Kings. Did you know it? Did you know that Advent includes discipleship? Advent includes our grand calling to become more and more each day conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus. Yeah, so we can celebrate, absolutely. Um, But also we're called, even with these Christmas scriptures, to let the scriptures inform us on what it's like to be a follower uh, of Jesus. Now, this week our Advent passage from Isaiah 35 opens the first two verses and closes the last two verses with the word joy. Uh, But because I'm a curmudgeon and something of a Grinch, I would like to contrast, before we get into the passage itself, I'd like to contrast the difference between joy and happiness. God bless you. The difference between joy and happiness. And basically it's this. Joy is good and happiness is really bad. No, wait, that can't be right, can it? No, that's definitely not right. But they are, they are different things. They are different things. So what I did was I loaded up my preaching gun with a bunch of bullet points. You know about the guy that's got the PowerPoint and then he just gives you one bullet point after another until you feel shot through? Well, I'm about to give you... Uh, the, the shot through. I want to give you some considerations about both joy and happiness. Joy is a curious thing. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. You know that passage in Galatians chapter 5 has nine different fruit of the Spirit. I can never remember them all, but I can always remember the first three, love, joy, and peace. After that, I get a little fuzzy. It's because my memory's going, right? But joy is a fruit of the natural growth of a life lived in concert with the Holy Spirit. We don't go out and attain love, joy, peace, and the other six. Uh, They actually are the work of the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives. Uh, Joy, this was a surprise to me. Um, Joy is one-third of the kingdom of God. Wait, what? Yes. Uh, The Apostle Paul, in describing the kingdom of God in the book of Romans, the, the Apostle Paul says, The kingdom of God is not uh, little picky, nitpicky rules about what you should and shouldn't do. The kingdom of God is right relationship, peace, and joy. 
all wrapped up in a dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit. Right relationship, peace and joy. Joy is one third of God's kingdom. Joy is a personal gift to us from our master, the Lord Jesus. Uh, at the Last Supper, which is described in John's gospel, Jesus says this, and it's, uh, it has really weighed heavy on me this week. He says to his closest, most beloved friends, you will grieve now, but your grief will turn to joy. And mysteriously, he's not saying the grief gets washed away or erased like a whiteboard. He says your grief will be turned to joy. Now, how does that work? I have no clue other than that I want to stay close to my Jesus and the wonderful transformations that he can do. He doesn't disregard our grief. No, he transforms it into joy. Now, no amount of positive thinking can bring joy. Nope. Joy originates in another realm. And if we are unaware of that other realm, well, then we're just trapped in mere happiness. And happiness is a good thing. It's just shallow. And it's a, it's a good shallow. I would rather be in a, in a happy puddle than in a sad puddle, right? But uh, joy is like this subterranean current that either finds its way up in springs that burst forth or that be, by our own cooperation with what God is doing, we can drill down and dig wells and find these springs of joy. Uh, when I was much more cynical earlier in the week, I actually wrote these words, Happiness is a sucker's bargain. Maybe that was a little strong, right? Um, we're offered happiness cheap, but joy awaits. And it is an eternal gift unavailable at any price, as not as seen on TV, but as given from another dimension, right? Happiness is like the echo of laughter, and joy is the source of all merriment, um, happiness is now, now, me, me. Joy is forever. And it's for all of us and for all of us to share. Um, I, I was really cheesy in the first service. I said, everybody get some joy and now share it with your neighbor. But I won't subject you to that, right? But this is an important point. Joy is a gift from God that we are called to steward and that we are called as we'll see from the Isaiah passage, uh, to give to others. Happiness is transitory. Uh, joy abides. Um, here's the final bullet point. This is the one that you should hashtag, make, make note of. Joy, joy is the overflow of a life lived with God. Joy is the overflow of a life lived in concert with the Holy Spirit and with the redeeming Son and with the loving creator, Father. Joy is the overflow of life with God. Now, uh, it turns out uh, that uh, I'm trying to be organized, so I actually came up with uh, a four-point outline, Cody, a four-point outline that will help us find our way through uh, Isaiah chapter uh, 35. And uh, this is the four-point outline. There's a spring in the desert there's a joyful calling for us. In this passage, we're introduced to the bringer of joy and then we are actually given a glimpse, we're given a glimpse of a highway 
home. That, that last one is interesting because Isaiah goes beyond the darkness of being worried about the Assyrian Empire, sees beyond the Assyrian Empire, which by the way vanishes like a vapor, uh, looks at the, uh, the reality of something called exile by the, the ferocious Babylonians, but then he actually sees a joyful returning home. Joy is a part of the return home. So could we look at those four? Okay, and I'll get you out of here by two o'clock. I promise, okay? Let's look at those four. So uh, Isaiah chapter 35, the first two verses give us this spring in the desert. They give us this spring of the desert. It says, even in the wilderness and desert, they will be glad in those days. And the those days to which he's referring is that God will bring his people home. You can bank on it, no matter how far away you might be. If you are one of his people, he will bring you home. Even in the wilderness and desert, even in the wilderness desert, they'll be glad in those days. A wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and springing and joy. Have you ever seen any of those beautiful pictures uh, of like um, uh, Death Valley, like, you know, when... when, uh, moisture comes to the valley, how all of a sudden they call it the desert bloom and what had seemed dry and lifeless. And maybe that goes on not for months, but for years. But what seemed dry and lifeless uh, bursts forth in blossom. And this subterranean current of joy finds its way to the top by the work of God. Uh, the, the underground river is not our work. It is the work of the creator. The, the subterranean current of joy, joy which is the substance of the kingdom, joy which, as C.S. Lewis said, is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. It finds its way to the surface and behold, dead things come alive. Now, maybe you, me, we, Maybe we've experienced things that have dried up in our lives, things we never imagined would dry up. And yet, here comes this current, not caused by us, not created by us, but underneath of it all, it eventually forces its way to the surface and the desert blooms. This is a promise, these first two verses. This is not only uh, Isaiah talking about what he sees, this is a promise to the followers of Jesus that this will happen even in a dry and a lifeless land. That is the spring in the desert. It's what only God can do for us. No amount of happy talk or positive thinking will ever get us there. But then the second part of our outline was the joyful calling. And these are the next two verses, verses three and four. This joyful calling that God has for us. And so what Isaiah says is with this news, the, new, the news that the desert will bloom, there's the promise, with this news, what should we do? Well, we should strengthen those who have tired hands. We should encourage those who have weak knees. We should say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. Did you know that Advent is about coming? 
The people in Isaiah's time looked forward to the coming of God. The people in the time of the Lord Jesus experienced the coming of God. And now we, we wait for the coming of God again. And all of us that are experiencing that, we have received a task. We've received a calling. Those of us who have received the joy of God have been given a task. It's what they call the imperative. Doesn't that sound important? It is the imperative. Look for the verbs. Strengthen those who have tired hands. That's a task. Encourage those who have weak knees and say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Don't fear because God is coming and God will do battle with whatever your enemy is. Now, this is wonderful because not only do we get the promise of good news, but we get a task from God to share, to share this, right? And I told you I didn't have a story, but I lied. I actually do have a story. Okay, so here, yes, sorry, I lied while I was teaching. Um, uh, I want to I share with you a story about someone who had tired hands, who had weak knees, someone uh, whose heart was fearful. Now, in my day job, uh, I teach over at the university, and just this semester, I had a young student who was the first in his family ever to go to college. Do you know this is one of the joys of working, especially at Campbellsville University, is the high number of first-generation uh, students who have no one in their family, not daddy, not mama, not grandma, have ever been to college. And this student, early in the semester, scored a 30% on his first test. Well, I don't care how you round up, 30 is still bad news, right? And this young man was distraught, but filled with integrity. He came to me and he said, I don't know if I can do this. Tired hands. He said, I don't know if I've got what it takes. What, I'll do whatever you tell me. And, and he gave me the chance to do what? To strengthen his weak knees and to say to him, literally, I said to him, don't be afraid. You can do this. You can do this work. And this young man from early on in the semester with a 30 on his first test um, began to, to give me his papers early and ask me to say, what would you do better in this paper so that he could improve his work? And on his tests, he did more than double his score. He almost tripled his scores on the next two tests. And then part of what we had in my particular class was a grade for attendance and participation. He was there every time. He was in the front row and he participated, even if the participation was, I got no clue what you just said. And do you, I just have to tell you as a, as a lecturer, it's actually a joyful question to get, that to get that kind of feedback. It was absolutely wonderful. And so we took the final just this past week and uh, 5.30 or so, the very day that we took the final, he texted me and he goes, what did I get? And I'm like, Dude, take a breath. I haven't created the paper yet. But because he had texted me, I texted him later that night and I said, you got thus and such on the test. Here is your grades for the three tests, the two papers for the uh, 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 attendance and participation and a little bit of extra credit. You earned an 80.17. You got to be. You get those little dots, you know, when you're texting 
And then the next text that came up was, O-M-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G-G. And, and then the next text was, I love you, man. And I'm like, no, you earned this. You did it. And uh, now that young student was happy about his grade. Maybe he crossed the border from happy into joyful. But can I tell you who was especially joyful at the progress that that student had made? And uh, it's not just teachers, although it is certainly teachers. Uh, but when we strengthen others, we feel the joy. When we strengthen others. Uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Scott Wigginton, had shared with me like this long list of study after study after study that said that human flourishing depends on strengthening others and looking out for something other than number one. And what is it that Isaiah is telling us? Uh, Isaiah is telling us that we who have received the subterranean current of joy have also received the imperative from God. Strengthen those that are tired. Hold up the, uh, the feeble knees and say to other people, do not fear. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter where you are, student, uh, lawyer, teacher, pipe fitter, um, a retired person. Uh, if we were to take an inventory, as Pastor Adam said in the first week, if we were to take an inventory of the darkness around us, well, then guess what? We could be the people who enter into that joyful calling. So the first was what God has done for us. The second is the joyful calling that he's given to us. And then in the next verses, they are um, uh, verses, uh, I guess the print is so small, five through seven. In verses five through seven, we get this wonderful vision of a joy bringer. All of a sudden, the text changes and says, and when he comes, well, it was the God who was going to destroy your enemies. When he comes... He will open the eyes of the blind, unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. By the way, who's that sound like? I mean, we're in church. Who's that sound like? Jesus. There we go. Jesus, right? It's an absolutely wonderful thing. And those who cannot speak will sing for joy. This is the New Testament description a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. And the best example I know of a joy unspeakable is, uh, is our 12-pound poodle at home, Juniper Jane. Uh, over the last two years, my wife has worked at a very challenging job, split in locations between Campbellsville and Richmond, where EKU is. Even when she's working locally, she doesn't get home till 6.30 or 7. When she works at Richmond, she hasn't gotten home till 8 or 9. And uh, our poodle is three years old and is kind of like attached to my wife. Now, I don't know how, but the poodle, well, sitting on her perch on the back of the couch, looking out onto the front lawn, can recognize the headlights of my wife's car coming down the lane and distinguish that from the headlines, uh, headlights of, say, UPS or somebody else. And it's so much fun to watch because she'll go like this 
And then she'll stand up on the edge of the couch and then she'll start, right? And then she starts to bark. And then when barking isn't enough, she starts to spin in circles. And then I know my wife is coming home. I start to bark. I start to spin in circles. And both of us run to the door because somebody that we love has come home, right? Joy unspeakable applies to poodles and the owners of poodles. And it's filled with glory. And it, this is kind of an irony about sharing a message of Advent about joy is the nature of joy really can't be told. I can only point to it. C.S. Lewis said it, described joy as a longing, a yearning. And the mere fact that you longed yeah, the mere fact that you had a longing or that you had a yearning pointed towards a joy that maybe you couldn't describe. So in addition to taking inventory of the darkness around us, maybe we could take inventory of the yearnings of our heart because the yearnings of our heart could actually be the signpost from God of what he will do when he comes to destroy our enemies. And as the New Testament says, uh, all enemies will come to the feet of Jesus. All enemies will come to the feet of Jesus. Whatever it is that, uh, that is a shortcoming in my life, whether uh, I overcome it in this life or in the next, it will come to, my shortcomings will come to the feet of Jesus. Uh, whatever my addictions or my predilections or my prejudices are, they will come to the feet of Jesus. Better this life than in the next, but either way, it's gonna happen. And even the loss of loved ones will come to the feet of Jesus. The final enemy to be destroyed is death. And even death comes to the feet of Jesus. And so the joy bringer, which is our third point here in these verses, uh, five and six and seven, the joy bringer is Jesus and he models it for us. But this too is part of the good news. He expects us to imitate him. And to whatever degree that we have received the consolation of the Holy Spirit, we ourselves can strengthen the weak knees and say to the fearful hearts, don't be afraid. The joy bringer. And then finally, what a beautiful uh, set of verses, eight, nine, and 10, about the highway home. Uh, and I don't want to get too much into the weeds, but this is what the prophet does. The prophet, uh, uh, speaking to Judah and Jerusalem, said, you're worried about the Assyrians. The truth is, they're like a vapor. Poof. They're going to go away. Yay! Oh, but by the way, there's another foe, even worse than the Assyrians, called the Babylonians, and they will kick your butt and take you into exile. Boo! But then Isaiah says, this is the returning that he's talking about, is that there will be a returning from the exile. And look at this wonderful, wonderful language. The parched ground will become a pool. Springs of water, that subterranean current, will satisfy the thirsty land. Verse 8, a great road will go through that once deserted land and it will become, it will be named the highway of holiness. The high way of holiness. As God takes our lives and works holiness in us, we're not talking about starchy, stuffy self-righteousness that's super judgy about other people or trying to be holier than the next guy. This high way of holiness is the process of being conformed 
to the image of Christ, which is the promise for every follower of Jesus, even at Christmas time. Who knew that the Christmas scriptures were also formational scriptures? Turns out, well, at least the Holy Spirit did, right? Yes, it's possible for each one of us to become conformed to the image of Christ. Well, there's good news. And when we are returning, God is preparing a highway of holiness. And so we end up with like um, verse 10, uh, I'm sorry, verses nine and 10. Yeah, nine. Lions will, will not lurk along its course. In Kentucky, what would we say? Deer will not jump out in front of your car on the highway to holiness, right? Or any other ferocious beast, such as what Emily encountered in her Alaskan adventure. Uh, There'll be no other dangers. Only the redeemed of the Lord will walk on it. If you have experienced the forgiveness and the restoration and the redemption of Jesus, he is preparing a way home for you. Home from your disappointments, home from your addictions, Home from your selfishness. Yeah, that's one of my addictions, uh, along with sugar. Uh, uh, He is preparing a way home for all of us. We're returning to our true home. Our true home, the place of peace. Can you add that? Can you add that to your list of longing? That we would return home to our true home the place of peace and hope and joy and next week love. Maybe the uh, worship band, I know this will come as a shock to them, but could you come back one more time? I know they're surprised by that. Um, And uh, as they prepare to lead us in worship one more time, I'm pretty sure that we also have a ministry team that will be available to you. And uh, you know, maybe your task today is simply to take stock and inventory of the darkness. Maybe your task is to heed the call to strengthen others and to speak encouragement to others and to uplift others. Or maybe your call is to wake up to the incredible, mind-blowing possibility that each day I can become a little more like Jesus. I'm not worried. Whatever is left undone, God will do in me, but the, the journey can start now. So what is it that God, what is it that God has indicated to you today. Beloved, my good friends, do not ignore God speaking in any of these areas. And this can be our meditation for the week. This can be the candle, the light that burns in our heart all week, the possibilities of joy unspeakable and full of glory. May God bless you. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.